Welcome to the Ministry Story Podcast. Churches have the greatest story on the planet to tell. Let's explore some ways that we can do that with greater effectiveness, impact, and excellence. Hello from Halifax, Nova Scotia on Canada's East Coast. This is episode number five of the Ministry Story Podcast, and today is Monday, January 17th, 2011. I am David Tonin, your host. On today's show, you're going to hear a great testimony of how God can really transform a life. My guest is absolutely all in for Jesus, and he has a great heartbeat to serve pastors and churches. Enjoy our conversation. Who are you, and what's your ministry story? Well, my name is Guy Richards. I'm from uh, New Jersey, right outside of Atlantic City. And um, I don't know, it's always weird when you say ministry story, but I guess you know, I guess the story of my life is that, um, you know, I, well, I basically bought into the lie that MTV sold me when I was young, that if I had the cars and the money and, and the things that I would be content in life. And I didn't have anyone else to, to tell me that it was wrong. It's almost like the whole culture was believing it. So I believe that the way to get those things was was through money, and and for me, what the things that I had to do to get money was, you know, I, I figured out, you know, drugs was a, an easy way to do it. So, you know, seventh eighth grade, started selling weed. By the time I was in high school, I uh, started, you know, selling crack because I figured that the profit margins were higher and that people would come back and you know give you your whole paycheck by by the end of the night, um, just because it was very addictive and. You know, by, by the time I was a senior in high school, I had the cars and the clothes and, you know, and also had the FBI sitting across the street from my home. And, and I remember my mom just, you know, knowing what I was doing, letting me, um, you know, do it because she's this Italian mom who just is really caring and loving but, you know, doesn't know how to intervene any way else and would never, you know, if I was <laughs> – if I flew into Florida and I needed a ride, she'd come pick me up. It's just that mom who – loves you no matter what you do. And uh, so she said, you know, why don't we get out of there? And I and I went to Philadelphia to the Art Institute because I never took SATs. And when I was there, I uh, I just started another hustle, and I started a clothing company. And then I put stickers all over the school, and the school was so mad because we put them down Chestnut and Market and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all over them. It was a marble school. And um, what happened was they uh, – they said, you know, write an apology letter. We're going to kick you out. And I just told them to kick me out, and they did. The security guard escorted me out. And, um, you know, it was it was, just a, it was just a drive. And at that point in my life, I said, you know what, I, I don't really want to sell drugs because I don't want to get in trouble or the risk, but why don't I try this legally? And that's what I did. I started selling shirts in, in the club. And next thing you know, after a lot of, you know, just pushing them, uh, MTV had a band on there that was wearing uh, one of our hats. And that went – you know that started something very big and 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 now um you know people started noticing us and um at that time my brother got locked up uh he he went to jail um just real quickly because he sold weed to an undercover cop he was kind of walking in my footsteps and my mom um who was you know now you know I never got locked up 
Um, so this was the big, you know, it was pretty bad. He was going to get five years. He was a senior in high school, and it was a big drug bust because they took him out of school. Um, so it was like front-page news. And they, they did it very strategically where they did it on a Friday so that we couldn't bail him out, and he had to sit in, in the county jail over the weekend. So by the time Sunday came, my mom was super stressed. And what happened was um, she, you know, what do you do? You, you kind of turn to God. So she turned to God uh, in the sense of, you know, wanting to go to church. And I, so I decided I was going to go with her um, because she kind of forced me. <laughs> I really didn't want to go, but I, you know, I felt like I was the reason my brother was locked up. So I, uh, I went. And when I went, the pastor who didn't know my mom or didn't know me was talking about envy, the sin. And the name of my clothing company that was succeeding at the time was called Envy. And, you know, I was I had a lot of fake people around me saying, you know, I was basically labeled the next young millionaire in front of all my friends who, you know, people that didn't like me growing up are now liking me. So what I did was I uh, I remember hearing him and, and, and couldn't believe that he was talking about envy. And, and I really wanted God to love me. And, and that day I was feeling like maybe he would love me because – why else would envy be talking? You know, like why? Because when I was little, my mom would send me to church when I was bad. I remember getting caught from cutting church one day, and I and I looked up in the air and I was mad. And my mom walked off because I I wasn't in the class I was supposed to be in. When she got there, and she said, um, she said, you know, she was mad at me and said, you know, I was in trouble. And I looked at, in the air and said, how can three people be one person? It just makes no sense. And I said, God, if you're real, come find me. Um, and it was crazy. You know, it was 10, 12 years old. I say that. And 21, now this is happening. And all I could think of was God loves me. Like, he really loves me. I didn't help old ladies cross the street. I never got good grades. I, you know, I came from a not, you know, not a rich family. And, and God loves me still. So what I did was I, um, I raised my hand. He said, does anyone accept Jesus as their Savior? And I did. I, I raised my hand to accept Jesus. And, uh, and I and I remember saying to God, like, if you show me you're real, I'll give you my whole life. You know, I'll give you everything. And he he started to like. I remember like picking up the Bible and and because I had this crazy Italian grandma who, my great grandma actually, who would always pray it before me. And I believe that was one of the major impacts. And she mm-hmm. died at that time, and I I got her Bible, and I just no one in the family wanted her Bibles. They all wanted her gold and everything else. It was funny. So I got both of her Bibles, mm-hmm. and I would find notes of her praying for me inside those Bible. And I and I remember reading it, and uh, and and that's how I started learning about what God wanted for my life, and uh, ended up giving up envy. I figured it was better to, you know, be someone lowly, even if I had to pump gas. Um, but tell people about Jesus, you know, throughout my whole life um, and and make an impact for eternity rather than live in pleasure for short term. So, Cool. That's, that is a real-life transformation story, and that's, that's awesome. And now with that new lens you're looking at life through, how did that change the way you now approach business? Well, I... Um, I mean, I didn't know that I, you know, I didn't go to school for marketing. I got a, you know, I had at that point I had a one-year degree, and I ended up going back to school because my wife, uh, dad was a doctor, and I realized I needed some type of degree if I was ever going to ask to marry her because <laughs> I, I liked her, and 
she was my girlfriend at the time, my actual first Christian friend. I hadn't even had a Christian friend for a year. I would go to church, and I just, it was an older church. I just mm. was probably the youngest person there. And, uh, and, and what I realized, which I didn't know, and I, it's kind of weird, is that if you want to market, you just, you know, it's like even when I was selling crack, I mean, you can't put it on a billboard, which is, you know, if you go to marketing class, I think people just say, you know, buy advertisement, do this, do that. Whereas what I did was just, I would try to get people talking because, and the right people talking. So if you knew someone was influential inside a specific group, you would do something special for that person so that they would talk more mm-hmm. and uh, get others that are in their, what we call their sphere of influence um, to the point that they, you know, they start, you know, using you or talking about you. So when I, um, you know, now that I do it for clients and stuff, my whole philosophy is, is that, you know, well, let's just take a look at talkability for a second. Like people's influences used to be about 40 people. So if you had a good experience with something, it was super great. It was worthy to talk about. It was above average. You would tell in that specific group maybe, you know, four or five people. Now, um, if you had a bad experience, you'd tell about 13 people. But it had to be really bad, really dramatic. But people, you know, they love to talk about the bad. So, you know, you're going to talk more about it. That's right. And... Um, and now, you know, probably 2004, 2005, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all these um, outlets come that we can talk to masses amount of people uh, with just clicks of a button. So now our sphere of influence greatly expands. And, you know, we're, you know, I probably have, you know, I don't know, thousand plus people on Facebook. If I didn't like something and I posted it, there's a good chance that 60 to 80 percent of them are going to listen. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to make it into their groups who have, you know, a thousand plus influences. Right. And it, it just dramatically changes the whole game. So now it's no longer about what we say, but how we act. And, um, you know, I heard a guy say, you know, the deer have guns. Like big businesses or churches or whatever an organization would prey on a specific you know, market mm. to try to, you know, whether it was a, it was a crusade and outreach, you know, whatever it was, or, you know, I'm selling Pintos. And, but now you can't give us a bunk product because right. if you don't deliver uh, something spectacular, we'll talk about it. Or, I mean, well, you could and, be and in that's, the that's middle. A way, that's a way for people to fight back now, right? Now, now the consumer yeah. has a voice mm-hmm. that they never had before. And uh, t- talk about how, like, cause we're talking to pastors and church leaders so how does your passion for marketing for talkability for that aspect of it how does that relate to your passion for for churches and and for how they can leverage this well it's it's like we did this skate park at our church and it was a it was a rare um kind of thing but we had the whole community come together 40 percent of the funding came from the community and uh, we had, like, Nike sponsor event. We've had, you know, Element, all these crazy skateboard companies that were secular. And, but we gave the gospel, and people were getting saved at every event. Hmm. You know, we have a Bible study every Thursday. Um, we force the kids to stop skating, stop riding. But we give them free hot dogs, you know, hmm. and then we have a Bible study. So the whole thing is is that when you have a small church or even if you had a large church, it really doesn't matter. If you had a business, it doesn't matter. What you do is you do things that are out of the ordinary. Um, I heard a bunch of stories, and I'll just give you a few rundowns. We were just uh, we were just talking to a few people. There was this one church that on Halloween, I guess they had a harvest party, but they brought in a helicopter, 
and they drop 10,000 pieces of candy. Well, they had 3,000 people show up. Mm-hmm. Well, what better place to give the gospel after you, you, know, you bless people like that? There was, a, there was a, uh, another guy who was handing out coffee between 5 and 7 in the morning in front of his church. as it, Cars drove by, and he's waving to them. He ended up on CNN. There's another uh, church who um, said that they were going to, uh, when gas prices were real high, I think it was about two years ago, uh, pay for people's gas. Uh, and it was like $2 off every gallon. So, you know, bang, now they're known as the church, church in the community, you know, giving away gas. Yeah, and, and they had people lined. He was saying they had people lined up around, you know, yeah. for, for miles to, to get there. And then while they were pumping their gas, they get to share a little bit of who they are why they do what they do, what they're passionate about, and hear a little bit about the individual story, and at the same time then leave them with a little piece of literature. It wasn't even really salesy stuff. It was just an invitation really to come to their church. And the, and the gentleman was telling me that you know it radically transformed the way their church was because suddenly now they had people who would never have come to church open and receptive to, this church is really different. Yeah. And, and they got talking about it. Like, hey, you know, I just got you know, my gas tank filled up. By a church. Yeah, and yeah. that's something to tell your friend. You know, come home. Hey, mom, you're not going to believe this. Some church down the street, and they just, they just put 40 bucks in my tank. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, and and that, that's a talkable item, yes. right? Yeah. One so, more thing that I wanted to was another story, and I heard a guy say this, and this is something anybody can do. He, he started handing out um, uh, some, some meals inside of a, a busted-up community, and the chief of police came out. And he said to the chief of police, I don't care, you know, you know, what it is, if it's cleaning toilets, scrubbing graffiti, whatever, I'd love to give you from our church 10,000 free community hours this year. Hmm. And what better way, because he's a gatekeeper, to influence the community through, you know, a specific point of contact uh, that's going to make that, the whole police team's going to talk about that, you know? And next thing you know, your whole community's going to be impacted by that. So just little ideas to to get people talking, which they're going to continue on, That's you know, right. it, they, they, they kind of develop. So go ahead. Yeah. One more, one more thing. And, and that's really around, um, Churches and pastors have a tendency to get a little bit nervous about marketing and, and they, they think it comes with a great cost. Um, but it doesn't always have to do that. And some of the stories that you've shared, uh, sort of explain that, but talk for a minute, your thoughts about excellence. Well, there's this middle ground. It's called the clutter of the ordinary, and that's where most churches fall. Um, They do the average, but no one talks about the average. They'll talk about the bad or the great. So when you do something with excellence, it's it's excellence is defined by something better than what everyone else is doing. That's right. (laughs) You know, it's like excellence can, you know, people define it differently, but let's talk about it in this context of doing something greater than anyone else is doing it. So I was handing out fish sandwiches one time on, in an outreach in Philly, and I remember we came to the, the ends of the loaves, and there was the ends, and the guy wouldn't give them out. He told me, here's some money, run to the store. I'm not handing out the ends. Well, it made a huge impact, you know? And, and that, that, to me, has still defined how I do things, whereas you want to give the best um, or you want to do something that's so unique that people talk about it. So it doesn't cost a lot of money. No, to do that, but and you're not saying that it has to be perfect. Correct. It most of the time is not perfect. I I live by a philosophy. It's called completion, not perfection. Mm-hmm. Because if if there's a verse in Ecclesiastes that talks about if you wait for perfect conditions, you would never get anything done. <laughs> That's true. So what you really have to do is just 
you know, it's going to be a little odd. You know, some some young kid on the board is going to say, hey, why don't we do this? And, you know, a lot of people say, well, that sounds crazy. Why would we stick seven, you know, $100 on this? Well, you know, because it'll make an impact. It may not even make an impact first, but remember, it's like compound interest. That's right. You know, it gets people talking. Multiple things will, will eventually pay off. Well, I really appreciate you. You've been uh, very generous with your time. Tell people a little bit about where they can connect with you and where they can get your book. The book book is called Talkable. Yep. And it's not written specifically to churches, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of principles in there that can be leveraged by a church and church leaders, right? Yeah, correct. So, um, you well, my blog is Guy Richards, G-U-Y, R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S uh, dot uh, U-S or dot me, either one, lead to my blog, which I give updates on and you can um, just get my information. Or I run a, a, a brand development firm that works with uh, ministries, which is Abaya, which is A-B-I-A-H dot com. And uh, it's just a Hebrew word that means the Lord is my father. Or if you just Google Christian branding, we uh, usually show up number one in the world. We really appreciate you taking the time. How can people connect with you on Twitter? Well, uh, my Twitter handle is Brand Delight. Um, or you can just find me on Facebook at Guy Richards. I'm out of uh, New Jersey. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's Ministry Story Podcast. Feel free to post any comments you may have on ministrystory.com. Our podcast theme song is Could This Be the End of the Hiding by The Contact, who can be found at thecontactmusic.com. Please join us every Monday for another inspirational conversation designed to increase ministry effectiveness as we share the greatest story ever told. Down and down